Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America. This episode is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development. Visit tnvacation.com to start planning your next trip to Tennessee. Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home here in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. Emma, before we introduce this very exciting guest that we have, I want to know what is something you've discovered this week at Discovery Park of America? Well, Scott, this week I discovered that there are patches from all six of the Apollo moon landing missions in the moon dome at STEM Landing. I'm glad you picked that one. That is one of my favorite things to show people when I'm walking um, around. And we're one of the very few entire collections that you can see of them all together. So, and it's also, I think, very artistic. It almost looks like a piece of art with all those patches together, which ties in very well to Paige Espy, our uh, guest today. Welcome, Paige. Thank you all. I'm excited to be here. So um, we're going to talk about your art in just a little bit, but let's back up and tell me a little bit about uh, where you're from. So interestingly enough, I'm actually from Union City, Tennessee. I now live in Huntingdon, Tennessee. Um, My husband is a cotton farmer and Jenner here. Um, So I live in Huntingdon, but I'm originally from Union City. Now, so... um, Obviously, or maybe not obviously, um, but we did just open up an agriculture exhibit here um, at Discovery Park of America. So if people if people visited, they know what what a ginner is. But for folks who think that might have to do with an adult beverage, can you tell us what a gin is? <laughs> um, so you know, I'm I'm still learning as a farmer <laughs> as a farmer's wife. Um, but I do know that, you know, you got to plant the cotton and then you got to pick the cotton. No, you have to spray it too. And then you got to pick it and then you gin it, um, which basically means running it through the cotton gin, getting the seeds and all that out so that you can actually use it and sell it. Um, if my husband hears that description, he's probably going to be really embarrassed. But <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what, that's what we needed. We needed in real people terms. So that was really helpful. Right. I, I- remember Eli Whitney I think I remember learning about Eli Whitney in school and he's the one who invented the cotton gin so so that's a that's a little tip so your parents <laughs> uh, were your parents um, in the agriculture business while you were growing up um so I have cousins that were in agriculture they still are they farm in Woodland Mills um, Tennessee so my cousins and aunts and uncles they do but um, my fam- my immediate family did not know no sir. And so you grew up around here. Uh, where did you end up going to college and what path did you initially pursue? I grew up, um, I grew up in Union City and I was Union City High School. Um, I was one of those kids that like senior year, I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm never coming back. You know, like I hate small towns, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I went to school at UT Knoxville Um which when you're a senior in college, that seems like it's forever away. Like it seems like it's a million miles away. But um, so yes, I went to Knoxville. I went there for undergrad. Um, I majored in, you can actually major in your undergrad for speech pathology, which is what I did. Um, So 
I got my undergrad degree in special education with a concentration in communication disorders, which then you go to grad school for speech pathology. So um, I went to UT Knoxville for four years. And at the end of my senior year, I said, you know, I don't really know if I want to go to grad school yet. I don't I don't know if that's what I want to do right now. Um, so I took a year off and I moved to Austin, Texas, um, which is so, so random. <laughs> um, but I moved there and I was a nanny for a year, um, which was like kind of the best job ever. Um, yeah. And so Austin, what a great <laughs> town. Yeah. And so I traveled with, I traveled with my little nanny family. Um, Did you eat at a lot of really great restaurants while you were yeah, in Austin? Yes. Yes. Austin is my, still my favorite city. Um, I mean, I've been there probably every year since I've, since I've moved back, but, um, so yeah, so I moved to Austin for a little while and then I went back to Knoxville for grad school for speech pathology, graduated, um, became a speech pathologist and then moved to Nashville and worked there for a year and then moved back to West Tennessee because that's where my husband is from. So, um, I've been living here since we got married. So now there's great irony in the fact that, you know, you wanted to get out of town you know, you go to the big city of Austin, you go to a big university and how in the world, you know, it, it oftentimes they say, you know, don't say you're never going to, because that's what you end up doing. How did you end up meeting the farmer? Right. So, um, we actually, it's so random, but I was in grad school, um, in Knoxville and he was with a group of friends in Gatlinburg. Um, and I had a friend who was talking to one of his friends. And so we just met up and, and we hung out in Gatlinburg of all places, <laughs> but, but that's how we met. And so we, we dated from there. Um, and, and I mean, it was a little rocky for a while just because I didn't know if I wanted to move back to West Tennessee, like wasn't rocky between us, but more so I was still trying to decide if I wanted to move, you know, back to Austin or stay in Nashville or, you know, hunker down and come back to West Tennessee. And, um, but I'll say my husband's worth it. So we're here and I'm in love, Indiana. love one out. Yes, love love wins, but um, but all my family's in West Tennessee too. So um, you know, most of my family's in Union City. I do have some family in Huntingdon, so um, it kind of kind of works itself out. So um, were you um all along the way while you majored in speech pathology? Were, were you speech pathology? <laughs> I can't say that. Um, did you? There's more irony. Um, did you, um, did you paint and were you artistic then? So what's crazy? Um, I was, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't, but I just, I studied so much. Um, and I can remember it was the day after I took my comprehensive exams for speech. Um, I was like, I need, I need to do something. I, I can't read anymore because I love to read. Um, but I was like, I can't sit down and read anymore because I've just been studying so much for this test. And so um, I just like took out some watercolors and um, I said, you know, I'm, I want to teach myself how to hand letter. Um, and so that's really kind of what started it. Um, so I can remember, I can seriously remember sitting in my apartment, uh, my little studio apartment in Knoxville. And I just like got on YouTube and taught myself how to hand letter and use watercolors um, and I mean, like, I'll be really honest, like I had not a lot of money in my bank account, 
bank account at that time because I was in I was in grad school and I remember I sold um like Christmas cards that year um and I sold them for five dollars a pop um and so that's kind of like how it how it all got started um and I feel like my style and what I've you know what I paint now is very different from what I did in the beginning but but that's really what what started started the whole process and then th- you know through um your early career um did you continue did you have an interest did you go to galleries and did you start studying or what you know how did your well, art I, develop i really really think it's because of living in austin like i i think that that's what kind of triggered it um there's just gosh i just i love austin so much there's so many you know every restaurant every hotel every everywhere you go there's there's such good style and and such good you know architecture and it's just every the the vibe i guess is what people always say about austin is you know the vibes are so good there and um i feel like when i came back to tennessee like when i decorated my apartment for grad school everybody was like your apartment is so cool like did you decorate this yourself and it like it just all stemmed from from inspiration that i got from living in austin i would say yeah, that's so interesting. Um, were there? Do you recall there being much of an arts program in your high school at the time? Um, I do remember. Um, I do remember my art teacher. Are you still there? Yeah, you're yeah, still there. We're here. Um, I remember our art teacher, but you know, I was also one of those kids um, in high school that I played every single sport. Um, I was like, I feel like I was always too busy to even explore the arts, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, And now that I've moved back to Huntingdon, I can kind of see that happening with with kids. Like I've taught an art class at the Dixie here in Huntingdon. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dixie, but it's a theater here in Huntingdon and I've taught an art class there. And it's just crazy the talent that kids have, but they don't have time to pour into it because they're pouring into sports, which isn't a bad thing, but it's, it's just like in small towns, that's, that's just what you do. You play softball, you play football, you play basketball, you, you know, and that's what I did that, you know, I, I was in, in Union City, I was in the band and, and I played softball and basketball and all the things. And so at the end of the day, I had to do homework and go to bed in high school. There was no time. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, um, I think, Truly, it was like literally the minute that I didn't have something to study or something to look at is like when I picked up the paintbrush, and and that's kind of where where it all started, I guess. And so, um, as as um, as people will discover, um, grief also played a role in the art that you do now. Um, yeah. So so having that um, having that introduction to art really played a big role. Um, in in going through, do you want to share a little bit about um, that part of your life? Sure, sure. Um, so I get all my years mixed mixed up, but um, whenever I first moved back to Northwest Tennessee, um, I was working as a speech pathologist in a school system, um, and it was Labor Day weekend of, you know, very beginning of the school year. This was my first job back in West Tennessee. You know, obviously I want to make a good impression because I mean, that's how small towns are. And, and I knew, I knew a lot of these people that I was working around and, you know, I wanted to make a good impression. And, 
um, Labor Day weekend of, of that school year, um, my brother, my brother passed away. Um, he was 33 and he passed away of a pulmonary embolism on the Sunday morning of Labor Day weekend. Um, and it, I mean, that's just a moment that it's, it's a pivotal moment is, is what I always describe it to people as, um, because I feel like up to that point, I was sort of going through life doing things the way my family wanted me to, or, you know, the way the outsiders or whoever was looking at me, the way I was basically doing life the way I thought I was supposed to be doing life, you know, going to school, getting my degree, being a speech therapist, you know, doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. Um, and then, but what's funny is whenever I was a speech pathologist in Nashville, like I would come home every night and like work on cards and fill orders and paint people things for weddings. Like, you know, it never stopped. And so after my brother passed away, I just really started thinking like, life is so short. Like, do I want to spend, what do I want to spend my time doing? You know? And I'm not going to say that I didn't like being a speech pathologist. There was just a lot of red tape and things that you have to work around that I didn't necessarily enjoy. Um, and so, you know, the minute I saw an opportunity to work on my art more, I, I did that. And so, um, I very much have the belief that like, whatever you put into life is what you get out of life. So, if you are working really, really hard at something, it's going to pay off eventually. But if you don't put the time in, you're not going to get anything from it, you know? So like I have an art shed behind my house and, you know, a lot of times I'm like, Whoa, it's hard to go out there or I don't want to go put the work in or whatever. But if you don't put the work in, you know, you don't reap the benefits. So, um, I just told myself, you know, life's too short. If, if I'm going to do what I really want to do and what I really love, I'm just going to put the work in, in those places. And, you know, when you went to your husband and said, okay, here's, here's my plan, you know, was he, was he equally as uh, inspired as you are? <laughs> well, he had heard me kind of like, he, he knew that I, I didn't want to do speech anymore. He just, he just knew. And, and I think he knew that from the moment he met me, um, and what, what's funny is the family that I nannied for in Austin, like the mom that I nannied for, she knew me. So like, I, well, I mean, I was together, we were together every day. And this was when I was nannying was before I went back to graduate school. And, you know, she would always kind of corner me and be like, Hey, like after I got accepted to grad school, she was like, Hey, like, are you sure you want to go to grad school? Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? It's not just what your family wants you to do. <laughs> and so I think that the minute that my husband realized like I'm going to put the work in and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to work my butt off at this. Then that's whenever he was like, okay, like, you know, you're good. So, so how does one with no, you know, background in art really beyond just, you know, doing the work and, you know, that you had done, um, you know, you quit working as a speech pathology, you know, what does one do the next day? Um, okay. Well, I will be completely honest. I had a little buffer. Um, so I had a family that I have known for a while and they sort of asked me to, <laughs> the whole nanny thing plays in again. So, um, I had a family that I've known for a while and they asked me to come and sort of be their nanny for three days a week. Um, and, and so that's what I did. 
um, all of last year, I would go and I would help help out at their house for three days a week. But then on my days where I wasn't doing that, I was like very adamant about getting out in my, in my studio to paint or, um, and that's, you know, in, in the middle of all this is whenever my other business was born. So, you know, pretty much, even though I wasn't going to a nine to five job or a school job or whatever, I would wake up during the week and say like, okay, I've got to work today, you know, whether that's painting or whether that's doing whatever, you know, I've, I've got to do something to move the needle forward. And so I did have a little bit of a buffer. Um, I was working as a nanny um, for a family that lives close to here um, while I was also working on my art and in my other business. So, and then um, you just basically, I mean, you obviously know what style of art that you kind of, you know, like that you're drawn towards. And so you just started buying the canvases and doing the work. And, um, you know, obviously you started getting, people started to notice. Um, mm-hmm. Did you start a uh, uh, spoiler alert? You're, you know, this is going to end with you having a show um, at the Dixie um, right. in Huntington. But so before that though, did you, uh, I'm assuming you started selling pieces, showing uh- in other galleries. So my very first, I guess, rainbow that I painted um, was, I painted it in the January after my brother passed away. Um, So this is a whole side of the story that I haven't even shared yet, which is like the most important part. Um, We were going to get there, just so you know. I I have it in my notes. We were going to get there. Ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, so the first rainbow that I painted was in the January after my brother passed away. And I'll just be really honest, like that Christmas break, the very first Christmas after my brother passed away, like it was really, really hard. And like I was probably drinking a little bit too much wine every night. And, you know, I was like, I gotta get, I can't, I, I gotta do something. I can't do this. Like I've I've got to spin this in a positive way. I don't wanna be one of those negative stories, you know, cause I, I mean, I always have always been some, a person who wants to make a positive impact in the world, which is why I became a speech pathologist to begin with, you know? And so, um, my very first rainbow that I painted was in the January after my brother passed away. And I remember posting it on Facebook and like, it was insane. Like how many comments, I mean, I didn't think it was just an abstract rainbow. Like I didn't think anybody, I thought people would think it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so I posted it and like so many shares, so many comments and likes and everything. And, and it's so funny because, um, it's like, anytime I kind of take a leap of faith like that, um, like on social media, my husband will come home and my husband, like he's a farmer. And so he'll come home and he'll be like, wow, like you got a lot of attention on that paint, (laughs) on that painting. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess I did. (laughs) And the rainbow, you might explain the significance of the rainbow um, in your work. Like, why did you select a rainbow? Um, So right after my brother passed away, um, you know, and I kind of kept a journal during that time to record all of the, you know, crazy things that were happening right after he died. So um, we were, we had to decide on music for his funeral and, you know, my grandmother and, and, you know, most people want to play like hymns and church songs and stuff like that at funerals. And, and I remember our whole family was sitting around trying to decide what songs we were going to play. And, you know, I just kind of had to step up and I was like, 
no, like we're not playing these, these, these songs. <laughs> like we're just not, because that's not this, that's not the type of music that my brother listened to all the time, you know? And I wanted, I wanted the funeral to reflect him as a person. Um, and so the song that I chose was where rainbows never die, um, by Chris Stapleton. Um, and, or I guess it's the still drivers, but anyways, um, we played that song at his funeral and it, it just, I was really glad that I chose that song. And then right after his burial service, we were on the way back to the funeral home to pick up, you know, gifts and plants and stuff. And this huge, like vibrant rainbow appeared over the, um, the funeral home. And it was just like, and it was so crazy because everybody who had been at the funeral were they were like sending texts and pictures, being like, "Are y'all seeing this? This is this is crazy!" Like, you know, it was this. It was just huge, and um, and that was in that was in sep- the beginning of September, like I said. And um, during that month, I think I saw like fifteen or sixteen rainbows, and I, like rainbows aren't something that you just like see all the time, especially that many in one month. And so, you know, I don't know if very many of your listeners are like spiritual. But after seeing all of that, I was just like, there's no way, there's no way that that's not God or my brother or somebody from the other side, like sending me a sign, you know? And so whenever I sat down to paint that January, that January, I was like, you know, no more, we're not, we're not doing the wine anymore. We're just not, cause I don't want it. I don't want this to spin this negative. So, um, I just started painting one day and, and that rainbow took me kind of a long time to finish. Um, but once I finished it, like I said, I posted it on Facebook and a lot of people, you know, reached out, I want one, I want one. Um, you know, so my commission list kind of grew from there. And so, um, you have a show, is it up right now or did they, is it down the show that you had at the hunting? Um, was actually so this time last year I was like busting it to finish uh I had 33 paintings in That's a lot. The- That's a lot for any show. Yeah, that I mean most shows are like five or like four. <laughs> and um and again I'm I'm also very new, you know, to the art world and and I listen to podcasts, I listen to all sorts of things and and the more I listen and the more I learn, I I learn how much I don't know. Um but but yes, I had 33 paintings um because my brother was 33 years old. And so um and every painting was named um after an emotion that you feel when you go through grief. Um so most of them were rainbows, some of them were more abstract. Um it was like there was watercolor and acrylic and you know sort of mixed media pieces, but, um, but yeah, so the show was in February of last year. So it was, I think it went through March, February, March. So you were timed, um, right before ironically. Okay. Also the show's called color out of tragedy. Um, and so a lot of folks, you know, I'm sure visited who had also gone through death and things like that. Um, your show was right before we were about to hit one of the times most filled with, you know, negative, you know, scary times and lots of people passing away. And, you know, so, so very much, um, are you still like through this pandemic, are you finding ways for your work to continue to speak to people who are going through grief? Um, so back in, I think it was around March and April and maybe even May, maybe it was closer to summer. I don't know. Back in the 
beginning of the pandemic, it's all kind of a blur, but back in the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was a, I still had my commission list. And so, um, I was also pregnant during the pandemic. So, um, I was trying to hurry up and finish my, not hurry up, but I was trying to make sure that I got through my commission list by the time I had my baby in July. And, um, but sometimes, I, I mean, I don't know, other artists would probably understand this, but like commissions can sort of, they can be, they can weigh on you because it's not like you don't, you don't get to just go out in the studio and have creative freedom and do what you want. You know, you're having to follow a template or a guideline or follow certain colors, um, you know, a certain palette. Um, and, and so there was a time period during the pandemic, um, whenever I would make these abstract, um, I think they were like 11 by 14s, um, on watercolor paper. Um, and I sold them on my Instagram every day at six o'clock. Um, so I would, and it would, it gave me a reason to get moving and to get working because, um, the family that I was working for three days a week that I told you about, um, once, once coronavirus hit the fan, I stopped going to them. Um, and so I just kind of had to have a reason to get up and work. And so, um, I would go out to my little shed every day and paint and sell it on, on social media at 6 PM every day. Looking for a family-friendly vacation destination? Visit Tennessee for the mountains, the music, the rivers, the food, the attractions, and so much more. Visit TNVacation.com to start planning today. I hope you're enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from here at Discovery Park of America. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast catcher of choice. It helps us get these great stories of people in West Tennessee out to even more people. Our guest today is Paige Espy. Paige has been sharing with us how she um, first began um, painting rainbow pictures and how she ended up with um, an exhibit, um, which was really meaningful for for a lot of people. Paige has recently opened a new business called Little Yellow Door, um, and she has incredible social media where she's really applying all her great skills at design and painting. And so, Paige, tell us a little bit about how all of the work that you've been doing led to this business called Little Yellow Door. Um, Okay, so Little Yellow Door, it was named because our house that we live in (laughs) has a yellow door. Um, and so whenever my fiance and I, or my husband and I, whenever we were engaged, um, we were renovating a house, um, and it's in his family and it's, it's a farmhouse, but it's technically a craftsman style farmhouse. Um, and so, you know, after my brother died, that's another thing. Like at nighttime I would lay down and the, the thoughts that were running through my mind, I sort of needed um, an outlet, I guess. And so instead of thinking about sad things or, you know, stuff that would bring me down, I would, I would just look at what was coming next in my life that was positive. And for me, that was renovating this house that we live in now. Um, and so I would lay down each night and think about, you know, what furniture pieces we're going to go wear and, you know, what paint colors and, and everything I was going to use. And it just, and the design layout, and it just gave me something to look forward to, I guess. Um, 
also while I was a speech therapist in the school system right after my brother died after school, I would, <laughs> I would go like literally every day after school, I would go to McKenzie antique mall, um, just to like, there's something about walking around an antique mall. It's, it's, it's calming for me, I guess. Uh, some people don't feel that way, but they go in and they're like, this is overstimulating. I have to leave. <laughs> and so, but for whatever reason, I just really enjoyed, um, going to McKenzie antique mall and just like pilfering through the booths every day after school. It was kind of like a stress relief. Um, and so, and I can remember my husband, he would be like, when are you going to be home? Like, didn't you leave school at three? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be home at five. Like whenever the store closes, <laughs> but I was buying stuff for our house. Um, and so once we finally moved into our house and got it renovated, um, you know, I, I decorated it. And again, I, I posted pictures on social media. Um, and I had collected so much stuff for this house. And so once we decorated it and styled it and everything, I was like, I have way too much stuff. And so that's when my sister-in-law sort of encouraged um, me to start Little Yellow Door. She was like, why don't you stage all of this stuff the way that you would use it um, and, and try to sell it? And so, and so that's what I did. Um, and that's, that's really how Little Yellow Door got started. And so um, were you always, have you, have you been a, such a prolific user of social media since the beginning <laughs> or have you developed those skills late lately? Um, all of my friends would probably, <laughs> probably say that I'm like a big social media user. Um, I feel like a lot of my friends from college, they don't use social media, you know, as much as I do. Um, but you know, cause I'm a big Snapchatter. I'm a big Instagrammer. I'm a big, you know, you know like, are you, a, do you do, do you do TikTok? So I don't do TikTok. And I don't do Twitter for whatever reason. Hmm. I have like had some sort of vendetta against those two. So I, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, I've, um, I've started uh, a TikTok. So, um, so if you do get a TikTok, follow Scott at discovery park is my okay. TikTok handle. So you'll love it. I promise. I'm sure. Well, that's, that's why I don't have a TikTok because I know I would love it. And I would just stare at my screen even more than I already stare at my phone. So that's kind of why I don't have a TikTok because I know I would love it too much. So, um, it is good. It is good. Once you've had TikTok, you get on Facebook and you're just like, Oh, what that, what a waste TikTok's yeah. where it's at. Right. Yeah. Well, all my friends constantly send me TikToks. Um, and so, you know, I, I get the vibe on TikTok and, and I'm, I'm into it. I just think that if I had it, I would be like an overachiever and I would want to have the funniest or the best or the whatever. And I have a baby now. So like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it is. Uh, it is. But it is, you know, maybe later on you can do that. Um, right. So what, what do you feel? So you're running this business now. What, you know, you didn't really think you were going to be living in a rural community and here you are. What do you think? Are, what are the positives about running a business in a rural community? Um, well, it's crazy because so many people, I feel like they're like, well, do you have a website or do you have a storefront? Or, you know, sometimes I kind of feel like if I don't open up Little Yellow Door as a storefront, then people won't take me seriously. Um, but the support that I've had, um, in all the Northwest Tennessee towns has been crazy. I mean, like every week I deliver stuff to Jackson, I deliver to Milan, I'll take stuff to Union City, Martin, Gleason, Greenfield, like, you know, there's people in all these towns that, that support me 
like full on. And so um, I, I think that it's, and it's also awesome because, you know, my sister might have a friend and they'll, they'll tell their friend about it. And then their friend will tell those, their sister about it or their mom or their grandma or whatever. And so I feel like word kind of travels fast, um, in, in these small towns when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, whereas in a big city, it's, you know, you kind of have your small little, little niche of people and, and not everybody knows everybody. Um, but you know, with social media these days and living in a small town, I feel like so many people, um, in these towns surrounding Huntingdon, like know about my Instagram and they know about me or whatever. Um, and sometimes I do feel a little non-professional because I don't have a website and I don't have a storefront that's open every day right now. But, um, for me, like Instagram's doing it for me right now. So I'm just not gonna, I'm not going to push it too much again because I have a baby now. So Sure. Well, I do think having social media, having social media available to someone like you who has a talent in a rural community, it does open up, you know, the ability to get the word out so much more. Right. Um, and, and just, you know, the function on Instagram where you can share people's, you know, posts and stuff like that is very helpful of, of, you know, reaching, reaching other people as well. So, so if anybody's listening right now and they want to a check your workout, um, b commission something, um, c just get to know you better. What, wh- where should they go? Um, so my art Instagram is at page dot art, um, and then the little yellow door Instagram is just at little yellow door. Okay, and so they can follow you there. Um, and see your beautiful work and check out all the incredible, um, cool things you're doing with decorating. Um, I think it's really fun to see somebody. Um, clearly, you're just having um, a great time. Right. Um, and so it's awesome to see somebody in a rural community um, nowadays when everybody's so tense. You know, it's nice to see, like, you can just look at your Instagram page and see that you're bringing light and brightness into the world. So um, I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I really do try to portray that. Um, And I've, I've always, always, always like prayed and prayed that I would have a job or that I would have an outlet somewhere where I could be a positive light in the world. Um, And it's crazy because the people who reach out to me now, it, like for commissions and stuff that they'll say, you know, um, my friend had a miscarriage or my, you know, my husband passed away or, and so it, I, I, it's not that I enjoy hearing their stories because obviously that all those stories are heartbreaking, but you know, I like to be a person that people come to, um, to help with grief just because I've, I've been through it. I've been through it. So Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you very, very much for being here on our podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Real Foot Forward. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Plan your own adventure to see beyond at Discovery Park of America by visiting discoveryparkofamerica.com. Be sure to also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates.